Welcome to Authentic Living with Roxanne, a place where we have conscious conversations about things that really matter in our lives. And now, here's your host, Roxanne Derhage. It's Roxanne Durhage with Authentic Living with Roxanne. Today, I have a special friend and colleague um, and Canada's uh, recognition expert, Sarah McDonald, with us. Sarah has been my guest, obviously, a couple times, and it's always a pleasure, Sarah, to, for you to spend your time coming in and sharing with us about recognition. Thank you. Well, any opportunity to talk about authentic leadership and how recognition is a key connection to that, I'm game. So thank you for having me on again. Now, I know um, that you've done a lot of work with leaders, and obviously recognition is, is what your focus is. Let's talk a little bit about the connection between um, kind of authenticity and, in leadership and or in leadership teams and how that translates down into kind of recognition and the strategies that companies kind of might utilize. So come, tell me kind of what you see out there and... Um, you know, so that the listeners can understand what's happening out there pulse-wise in organizations. Well, interestingly, pulse-wise, um, as I've been working on revising my first book, Forever Recognize Others' Greatness, the second edition, we're going to have some really interesting data about how the gratitude effect in hospitals and other caring organizations has gone up. It's increased organizational engagement 8%, which it for those of us who nerded out in the human resources and, and organizational culture world that is an incredible increase one percent you would be dancing in the street eight percent it's virtually unheard of and part of it is because that organizations are authentically demonstrating appreciation now the verdict's still out if this is sustained if it's continuing uh, I'm sure we could ask folks in these organizations if they still would answer the same way. And of course, by the time they do the study, the, the survey again in a year or two, we'll see if that has maintained and with, withstood the test of time. What When you drill down and you ask leaders in those organizations, what are you doing differently? What are you really focusing on? It's connecting with each individual as often as they can. They're checking in, how are you doing? They're checking up, is there anything that you need from us? And especially in, in caring professions where they're overwhelmed and burdened in COVID, you'd think, who is the time for that? There's just an intuitive knowing, isn't there, Roxanne, that when people are struggling, that is when we need to put them first and the task list has to come second. And that, that's what we're seeing right now. That's the latest trend um, about the increase of recognition and, the, and the, the relationship directly to how leaders are showing up right now. I just really hope it sustains this way. So, so, what, so to clarify then, so you're saying, um, because they're doing the small things, the small bits of connections, uh, taking the time, um, just checking in with people, employees are showing a gratitude increase um, just because people are doing the small microscopic things to let them know they matter. And that in turn is making uh, employees feel more connected to their 
to their leaders and their leadership teams? Probably the gratitude effect is going both ways. That, okay. that because the organizations and leaders are feeling grateful and expressing it, authentically. So um, I really appreciate you picked up this extra shift. I know it's tough. How are you doing? I know you're just back from having had your positive test and now you're back. How are you doing? It's the specific acknowledgement person by person versus people feeling like a number, which is often in organizations where authenticity is low and recognition is low, people feel like just a number. They feel it's very transactional. You could replace me with somebody else. And if you did, if you found somebody cheaper, you'd replace me tomorrow. And sadly, that is the reality for many people. They assume that because that's sort of the way they are treated. Even if the organization doesn't believe that, it's the it's the way in which that that happens, hiring and and performance appraisals and if it if or, or conversations are coach like versus more telling. You know, there's there's lots of those those things that are shifting a little bit right now, um, and then it creates a, re a reciprocal gratitude effect. Like I really appreciate that you checked in, and I'm I'm glad that you noticed, and thank you for acknowledging that this is hard. Uh, you know, to use the example of healthcare, which is a lot of my clients are in the caring professions, healthcare being one of them. Um, everyone does the best they can. That is why you choose to work in healthcare. It's part of the deal, so to speak. And healthcare professionals are used to giving so much. If anything, they they give, 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 human giver syndrome. I give more than I take back. We can get compassion fatigued. What can help insulate against that is when people feel seen, heard, valued. Um, so don't forget to take your break. And, and thank you so much for delaying your break. And, um, you know, I'm not going to call you in uh next shift i i know we're short-staffed and thank you for volunteering we're gonna we're gonna do our very best to fill that fill fill the position so really tuning into what our people are going through and acknowledging the human behind the job as opposed to we have a job to do that we need a human to fill that position or that that shift well, that's pretty impressive because um, in coaching a couple of uh, um, nurses and senior leaders in, in uh, hospitals, a lot of them are saying, and I, I don't know, this is interesting because they're saying that they're holding their breath like mm -hmm. um, because they are so overworked. And if they call in sick, uh, they really don't want to leave their peers, um, you know, mm -hmm. kind of in the lurch, right? So it's interesting that somewhere in there, like, I mean, and we know we've been at this, I've lost count now, 18 months, 19 months into this, that, you know, somehow we're recognized as human beings. This is like an anomaly period. None of us mm -hmm. have been through this again. There's no template for this, that somewhere in there, the element of I'm going to just show my human humanness to someone else, right? Because the level of grief that everybody's under. And then you kind of, I would say you can multiply it by a hundred when you go into the hospital environment, everybody's feeling it. You know, people have lost family members, you know, everybody, anybody that's gone through that, you know, there's a ripple effect in families, all those things. But when you go into the hospital and when you actually see the pain, that's a, that must be a hard level to be at, right? Because now not you're, you're not removed. You're, you're going into the eye of the storm every single day. And, you know, that's a, that's a tough place to be. And so it's nice to know that that's happening um, overall. And, and to your point, 
I hope that it continues because yes, we, we stepped up through this time, but we really need to um, keep those positives because what a nice thing to have to feel like I'm being validated just because of who I am. And, and it is possible by the time people listen to this recording, that that is not going to be people's lived experience because the data of course is lagged that I'm quoting data that was analyzed from data that was collected probably a year ago now, it was analyzed a few months ago as I'm writing my manuscript and here we are, you know, so there's always a lag time in data. We can never, right. it's very challenging to say, this is the pulse in this industry today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I can tell you though, if we, if, if we look at this from a micro lesson perspective, is that when leaders stepped up, when people needed it most and they, tried to see that what individuals needed it worked not just in that moment i'm sure to help that individual people noticed mm -hmm. individuals ex it, they expressed it by the time they went and they did their engagement survey thinking about what is it like around here right now and we have a recency bias any all of us humans have recency biases so really when you're doing the engagement survey it's about what has been happening lately as as much as we'd like to believe we're measuring the last year or two years whatever since it's been the last survey it really is the recency effect so what is really happening in the last couple of months and how have i experienced my manager my colleagues my workplace my workload my health and safety and so forth all the drivers related to engagement people have noticed that when they've been surveyed, that when there was the greatest need for empathy, for compassion, uh, for understanding, we were able to rise to the challenge of connecting on a human to human level. Why I say to you, Roxanne, I think you echoed this is where we hope this continues is we weren't any less human before COVID. We weren't any less human or more human during it. We're certainly not now. We're not going to be less human later. It's just we get sometimes it takes these these experiences for us to remember the things that have existed all along that are really fundamental. I I know you and I both connect on the level of how are able people able to do their best work, innovate. Uh, contribute meaningfully to the team environment, um, you know, offer or be willing to be promoted despite the fact it could be a greater spotlight on them or, or pressure uh, for maybe less, not that much more money. There's a lot of things that are, the stakes are really high. And it's, it's, it's in a lot of industries, it's easier to be one of the crowd, mm -hmm. healthcare and, and insurance and, um, I mean, I, in education, it's a lot easier to be one of many who do a great job and you can make a direct impact. This is what you studied to do. This is what you're good at. For people to step into leadership out of something they know into something that they don't know as well and into something that's more visible and with less job security, then it's usually for other reasons. Yes, of course, there can be ego and money and all of those other things. And um, it, it's likely also to try to make an impact. It's just maybe a little bit of a different one. So we want to capitalize on those authentic leaders, those truly human leaders. And we need it because we're in the midst of what we're what we're now calling the great resignation. And this is across industries. 
People are leaving their jobs, they're leaving their field, they're going down to part-time. Uh, a, a lot of folks are, I mean, my family doctor retired during COVID and, and oh he's something. Um, so this is where I'm, I'm doing most of my speaking is for those authentic leaders still in the audience really wanting to hold on to their peers. Uh, if they're an executive group, like the one I'm speaking for a little bit later this week, they wanting to hold on to their, their middle managers about how important they are. And they want to hold on to their staff and not just keep them. They want to keep them inspired and motivated and feel appreciated, um, regardless of the context and the circumstance. So recognition is really the easiest way. We just have to deliver it in a way that is authentic. Um, good job. It needs to be wiped out of our vocabulary because it has become artificial. That's why employee of the month doesn't work. That's why uh, sometimes even in organizations with a long tenure, such as such as a hospital or, or a teaching organization, the the long service awards that appreciating people based on tenure, although you don't want to necessarily get rid of them if you truly have a long tenured organization, it doesn't have an authentic feel to it. If you sh if you show up to a virtual or a, or in non COVID live dinner and you just walk across the stage stage and your name is read, mm -hmm. well, what about the employee who's been there thirty years? Who somebody should say something about them, put their picture up on the slide, share silly moments, let them share a speech if they want to. We we don't leverage these opportunities to authentically acknowledge the. people people that contribute so much, whether you've been there five months, five years, or 35 years. Oh, it's a little bit of a soapbox. Can you tell a tiny bit passionate <laughs> about authentic recognition? A, a wee bit, just a wee a bit. bit. Just a little bit, yeah. So let's, let's talk about the innovative ways that you've seen um, leaders showed their authenticity through this time. Because I, you know, I'm sure they, you know, you kind of get perceived a certain way as a leader. And I'm, I know there's a lot of phenomenal leaders. I know I was so fortunate that you introduced me to some fantastic um, authentic leaders that I was able to interview for the book. Mm -hmm. So tell me about what you've seen with these authentic leaders through, not just through COVID. I'm sure they had a certain amount, but they had to ramp, they, they just, you know, just, it was exponential. What kind of things did you see that they did different with recognition through this time that made people feel like, uh, I'm, I'm valuable. I'm important. Yeah. 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 Well, one is keep your program. Don't just, you know, abandon it and say, well, when we're all back in the office or when it's a more convenient time, we'll do it. Um, uh, I-24 call management solutions out of Montreal, uh, Canada. They, uh, their, their owner, Gary Blair, third generation ownership. So, you know, not dialing it in, that's for sure. He is still actively building, growing, supporting the staff in his business. And they actually have a chief engagement officer, right? Um, health. So you can tell this, the kind of passion this organization has if you have a chief engagement officer. What they have a really strong paper-based recognition program, or at least before COVID, when there are 100% bricks and mortar in the same building, that worked brilliantly. You write down a note, you post it on the board, you can hand it to your colleague, give it to their boss who can read it to them. It all worked great. It very well utilized. It was in a normally high turnover industry, and they have the double challenge of needing people in English and French. So a bilingual high turnover industry, that's a really tough, that, that's where your culture really needs to be authentic. 
Well, when they all had to, because uh, um, it was a hotspot for COVID at the beginning in, in, in Canada, in that um, city, they had to all go virtual very quickly. So they, they went to the organization that does a lot of their, their computer tech systems for their communications. And they said, like, is there a way of taking this, this, they call it wow, their wow board and wow awards and move it virtually. And they did that very, very quickly. And so it didn't break the habit of peer to peer recognition, leader to staff and staff to leader recognition. And they went one step further, not only did they make sure it was virtual and didn't have a time lag so that people still felt like, okay, wow, so it's becomes it's almost freshens it up right because now it's just somewhere else it's in another medium so it actually that was an interesting just phenomenal. Is it live that if I give feedback because you've done something phenomenal oh my god Sarah just you know did xyz I I put it in because I'm working with you on a project does it go live immediately in the live stream or does it go to the recognition officer that uh, puts it on a board that kind of um, translates it out? Such a great question never have a bottleneck in your recognition system it should not be vetted approved reviewed before people can experience it yes trust and believe that people are not going to abuse it that it's true and it's honest change it if you have a problem but do not assume that it's going to be a problem it, it, one of my pet peeves about recognition programs is when there are gatekeepers when there are barriers um, because there's all kinds of reasons that we could spend an entire podcast about the reasons, the things I've had to do to, uh, to rebuild organizations, recognition programs to remove those, those barriers and bottlenecks. So yes, so that's a great question for this organization. It's in their communication system. It's in their platform. So I could, if you, you acknowledge me and I was in that system and I was in that location of the system, I could see it in real time. Oh, wow and it gets better it's and there's more <laughs> they turned this they decided to turn those acknowledgements into youtube videos so both in english version and french and they put it up on youtube wow. and so now their staff every month because they do a roundup at employee meetings right the, the all staff meetings and now you can see it and what a source of pride that is you could share it with your family you can your customers can now see it and their business is going to be much stronger. As you can imagine, who doesn't want to work with a company where I can see by looking at their YouTube channel, how great their people are. They put it on their Facebook channel, their Facebook page, their company page. So this is one of the, the interesting things about an organization that was already, already had a strong culture. Uh, they were battling very effectively the normal retention and turnover crisis that exists in their industry, which further validates authentic leadership was working well and recognition was a key foundational element to that. They used COVID initially was an obstacle. They used it as a way to get creative and innovative. And now if you ask them, they will not stop doing their videos. They will not, if they all physically go back in the office together, which it's unlikely, they, that's an organization and, a, and a, an industry that could actually have a blended hybrid model based on desires and needs, it's, it's entirely possible. So they can have the paper-based, they can have the virtual, they can have the YouTube, they can, they'll probably innovate it 18 more times, which is exactly what we need to do to recognize. Because as, as new staff join, they may bring new ideas, have different expectations. Um, it may be an opportunity to go back to basics of some of the things that 
if you've got new folks who maybe didn't see the way it was and you can you can try some of those things so so many possibilities so many possibilities though because i i i'm thinking from the uh relational transparency lens of authentic leadership so you know generally a lot of times you know when i was in corporate it was kind of like front of the house back of the house kind of thing right mm -hmm. and you know but what i hear is that this barrier has now been removed because then if if i'm a you know trying to work with that company and i'm just trying to get a sense of what's the pulse like to work with that company it's out there like their employees are talking about each other i can go i can check it out versus you know when i was um, a corporate consultant i would go in quite literally sarah and i don't know if you can relate to this and i would when i would you know be assigned a new account as an executive i would generally have to go in obviously meet all the senior people and then talk about the rollout strategy those types of things and i oftentimes would sit in these towers in toronto or wherever and I would be, you know, I'm here to see, you know, so-and-so, you know, and um, they wouldn't know who I was. And I would sit there, sometimes in the lobby, you know, because they're busy, sometimes 15 minutes or something. And oftentimes I could get a sense of what the corporate culture was just by the interface that I would be seeing kind of in that, you know, that lobby by, by the reception, how they answered the phone, you know, how people were kind of walking past each other, those types of things, right? Like that was my kind of, but this takes it like to a whole other level. And oftentimes what I felt sitting there was what was the context of a culture. Well, it's so funny that you give that, that example. I have not thought about this in two years, maybe two and a half years. Uh, Henry Shine, which is a company, I believe they make dental equipment and products. Yes, yes. Uh, you know them. So yes. uh, when I was going to meet with their CFO and his EA to plan, uh, they every summer they do um, an engagement where they bring everybody together to celebrate their customer service and finance teams as, as a way of acknowledgement, which gotta love CFOs who get the importance of that. And, and um, and, and it was true and authentic. It wasn't just like, oh, I need to check it off the list. It was meaningful. Um, and uh, Glenn, Glenn and, and Sherry, I'll never forget. Glenn CFO, Sherry, his amazing EA. What a dynamo team. So what did I, as I'm going in there and I'm, I'm going to signing, signing in, I'm looking around and everybody's dressed in, in um, rock and roll outfits. Uh, somebody looks like Madonna and somebody looks like Michael Jackson and somebody looks like Billie Holiday and there's there's records on the wall and there's a, a you know a record somebody brought in a record player and I said I don't know if I'm in the right place the name on the building says where I think I'm supposed to be and she said oh no no you just came on our, uh, I don't know what it was, our summer something or other day. I, there was a whole, there's, I can't even remember it because it was so culture specific that it was a day. And as they, Sherry came down to get me and her funky, I think it was Shania Twain, she was Shania Twain, she brought me up and I met Glenn. I'm like, Glenn, where's your outfit? And I think he, he put on a cowboy hat and he said, I'm a, <laughs> I am a country music singer, decide which one. So, you know, even he tried his best to, you know, get into it. But the point is, it you could feel it, you could. Mm -hmm. So here I am going to meet with this company about how do you do an employee appreciation event, your annual appreciation event on a day when it is the annual day where they do a, it was some 
contest and they do like these quizzes and they said oh yeah by the way if you want to enter the quiz here's the little you know quiz and the draws at four and mm -hmm. even the guests who would who were there visiting with people that day were allowed to participate i could tell i was gonna love this group yes. and and sure enough i i've done events for them twice it's an it's an amazing group so what we do and how we do it speaks volumes and you're right it's so visible that people can see it when when they come to the front lobby people can hear it on the other end of the phone mm -hmm. people can tell when you apply for a job there so many invisible cultural indicators that we need people who with fresh eyes to tell us that there's an inauthenticity match here because we may not see you can't see the label from inside the jar so yeah, go and be like a beginner's mind, right? Go sit in your own lobby. Go go sit in your own waiting room. Not that we should have waiting rooms, but that's a whole other issue. You know, go go, you know, um make a phone call to your own company and see what happens. Yes. Study what the experience is like for other employees and your customers and your the people you serve. Right, because it's like what do you call it? The what's it called? The invisible shopper or the uh, what is that oh, term? Yeah. Oh, the um, secret shopper, secret yeah. shopper kind of thing, right? Like, um, because really, I, I, and what would happen to me is because oftentimes I'd have to deal with lots of levels of leadership, all the way to the front line, because we would be leading, we would be rolling it out to the front line. It was a confidential service. We'd be seeing trends that was happening. So I would, um, you know, go. For instance, I dealt with um, the light um, union for um, the theaters in Toronto. So guess what they did, right? So they took me behind the mm -hmm. scenes about 10 minutes before production um, to see The Lion King. So here I am, and they said, we want you to see it through the eyes mm. of what we go through. And I said, oh boy, this is gonna be fun. I get to see The Lion King, but I get mm -hmm. to see it behind the scenes. Sarah, the most amazing experience because it really showed me how to look at it from the lens of perfection, what they had to create. And my challenge was, we'd like you to count how many mistakes you see. Hmm. So I'm like, all right then. So I'm right on. I'm like, got my eagle eyes out. I did not count once. There was 35 glitches hmm. and I did not see one. Because hmm. they're so quick at problem solving and fixing, they were they reconstructed uh, computers behind the scenes that could have affected things. So again, from a psychological perspective, it allowed me to see potentially how the you know how the actors would have to you know go on as normal, and then how you know the managers would have to manage them and all those things. But it, it, it's an aggregate that allowed you to see it right and what people are doing their jobs from at such a high level. Um, but again, from, you know, the psychological element, recognizing how could we support them understanding the pressures of the industry, right? Which is- Yeah. And the connection between authenticity and recognition is how do you authentically acknowledge, wow, we overcame 35 issues as opposed to what sometimes happens, which is how did 35 things happen? We are professionals here. Mm -hmm. How is it possible? We had 35 mistakes. So it's the, the, where you come at it 
by understanding and appreciating the pressures, the stress, the, you know, that's kind of goes back to that 8% we were talking about. So rather than, than say like, you're going to need to work harder. People know that already. Mm-hmm. Instead it is, we appreciate that you're working harder. So right. one of the things I think that we can do as leaders to truly authentically see, to, to be behind the curtain like you, at, yes, your job as a leader is to make sure there aren't quality issues and competency gaps and bullying and sensibility and all the things that are that are terrible that you you know you have a responsibility to make sure that the, that you're rowing in the right direction and that if that's not happening in the in the rowing term they call it catch a crab where you you know your your oar shudders in the water and it could really cause a problem if that happens so you want to be able to catch it before it becomes a really big problem and if you can't do that from up here you cannot, and I'm visually showing, you can't go, do it from up on high in the ivory tower, as you say, mm-hmm. uh, looking down in clicky high heeled shoes and pinstripe suits. If you really genuinely want to connect with the people who add the most value in the organization, and I'm sorry to say leaders, it's not the CEO. The CEO's job is very important. So CEOs, I love you. I have huge respect, not qualified to do your job. Huge respect for you. And who would the customer notice if you're gone tomorrow and for one day, you're only gone for one day, the person who, if the phone's not being answered or the care's not being delivered or n- nobody gets their mail for an entire day, that's really visible. That can create a huge bottleneck in the, the whole reason for being. So we need to acknowledge by, by putting ourselves in the shoes of those people, uh, we call it visible leadership and lean continuous improvement, it's going to Gemba is what they, you know, if you, if you're actually in the, the let's say a Toyota, Toyota, they would say, you know, go to Gemba, which refers to a, a, a circle where you stand in the circle and you watch and you study. Ooh. That's what you did. You went to Gemba. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I was in a senior leadership role, I would hear on a Tuesday at senior team, what was broken. And on Friday, I would spend it in scrubs or in runners or whatever, wherever the quote problem existed that we couldn't figure out how to solve in senior team. I'd go there and I'd try to study it. And, you know, not only would I come back with greater information and frankly, sometimes, sometimes my clients, my, sorry, my, um, my peers would respect that. And other times it create waves, as you can probably imagine. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not criticizing them. They have their way of leading this, this just, I honestly didn't know how I would ever contribute in at senior team if I didn't go and study what was going on with the people who could understand it. Here's what mattered most to me, though. The people who were experiencing the pain of that issue not yet being solved or that we did not have a good viable solution to, they needed to feel that somebody was listening, that somebody was paying attention, because even if it was such a colossal challenge that it was even outside of the realm of anybody on senior team being able to fix, such as in Ontario, well, every hospital, you have a backlog of beds, of people in beds in emergency. We can't create more beds. We can't pull funding out of the air. There's lots of things that we could probably do to iterate and that's good organizations do that, good hospitals do that. And there will, it's, it's virtually impossible to have enough money and funding to do everything you possibly would ever want to do for a patient. So what we can do is we can make sure that the people providing the care, the one experiencing the strain 
of an overrun emergency department, of the families worried about their the care, about um, the hearing infection controls concerns that you have patients who should be isolated, but you do not have another isolation room. The worst thing that we can do for those people is let them suffer on their own. Mm -hmm. and not go down there and say thank you or or ask a question or roll up our sleeves and do something about it undercover boss is not just a reality tv show it needs to be how we authentically appreciate and acknowledge people because if there's nothing you can do in that moment to fix it you can study it and you can be with the people who are the ones struggling the most with that issue and it can be on the customer side too. Go and spend time with your customers. It doesn't have to be the people providing it. It could also be on the other side. This was such a great interview that we decided to turn it into a two-part series. Be sure to tune in next week for part two so you don't miss out on the amazing content. Thanks for tuning in to Authentic Living with Roxanne, creating the space for positive, healthy change. Roxanne is a keynote speaker, psychotherapist, and coach. To work with Roxanne, visit roxanderhajcom slash blueprint. We'll see you next time on Authentic Living with Roxanne.